morning. It's good to see you this morning. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 as we continue looking at the Beatitudes in our journey through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, we're looking today at this uh, phrase, uh, this sentence uh, that Jesus speaks, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. There's a great need for peacemakers, and uh, we need to ask the question, what does that mean? Uh, as we've been going through the Beatitudes, one thing I've been reminding us of is that all of these things, uh, all of these uh, statements, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, uh, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, and then today, blessed are the peacemakers. These are characteristics or qualities of every believer. Uh, these are not pick and choose qualities. We can't choose uh, to be uh, pure in heart uh, and not be a peacemaker. All right. These are things that God uh, works in us as believers in Jesus Christ, and he makes us more and more like himself. Uh, it's a beautiful thought that uh, God could take uh, the likes of myself and the likes of you uh, and turn us into uh, faithful, God-fearing believers who long to uh, meet these qualifications, long to meet each one of these things. I'm not saying that we're perfect and that we do all these things always the way we ought but I am saying that these are qualities that are in us and are increasing as believers in Jesus Christ. Uh, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? That's the question on us today as we think about it. The first thing that I want to uh, consider and look at, though, is uh, Romans chapter 5. It says something there in Romans chapter 5 that I think uh, plays a role in this statement, it says in 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, peace with God. The implication of that, and it's explicit uh, in other places, is that we were enemies of God. Uh, that we had to have peace made for us. We did not seek peace with God, but instead God delivered peace with himself to us through his son, Jesus Christ. What a beautiful thought that God has loved us in this way, and through justification by faith, we have peace with God. We are no longer enemies of God. Well, something about those who have come to peace with God, uh, they themselves become peacemakers. Uh, and I want us to consider what that means today. Uh, certainly, first and foremost, I want us to see that we are peacemakers and that we are making peace as witnesses, as those who make known the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I want us to see that first today. Secondly, I want us to see that as peacemakers, we are making peace as members of the body of Christ there is a unity, a bond, if you will, that exists between us as believers in Jesus Christ. It's the bond of the Spirit. It's the bond of peace that is wrought by the Spirit of God. And so that we are at peace with one another and other fellow believers uh, in Jesus Christ. So making peace as members 
of the body of Christ. And then thirdly, I want us to see as peacemakers that we are making peace as children of God. What I mean by this, and you'll see uh, as I unfold it a little bit later on, is that we are to live at peace with all men as much as it depends on us. And we'll talk about that in a moment because we know that peace is not always possible among us. Uh, Peace is not always possible because of the sinful flesh that we live in and because of our own uh, uh, unwillingness to live at peace. And so I, I want us to see uh, and consider those things. But this is something that uh, uh, is important to me. I mean, I, I tell you, many of y'all have heard at least bits and pieces of my testimony and know that by nature I am not a peacemaker. Uh, I, by nature I am violent. By nature that is my bent. My bent is, is to pay back whoever uh, brings harm to me. My, my, my nature is not to live at peace with God, but to live separate from God. That is what I do by nature. That's who I am by nature. But because of what God has done in me, He has changed me into a, a, a person who does long for peace. Isn't that great? Uh, I, I love that uh, each one of us have testimonies like that. Uh, that uh, by our nature, we are not peacemakers. Something else I want to point out here, however, it says there, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. They are children of God. They will have a title, a name. They are children of the living God. Well, something about children that we want is we want our children to emulate us, at least the good things. You know, it seems as a parent, you grow up and your kids, no matter how hard you try, they always tend uh, to imitate the things you don't want them to imitate about yourself. Anybody else have that issue? Okay. I I have that issue. You know, it's kind of like, no, don't, don't do that. You know, don't do that. But dad, that's what you do. Do what I say, not as I do, you know. We all say it. We know that. You know, I'm a grown-up. I can do that, right? Uh, but uh, we, we have those things. We want our children to imitate the positive things, the good things, the uh, redeemed things about ourselves. I want you to know that as peacemakers, we are resembling the Father. Just so you know, in that analogy, you know, there's nothing Bad about the Father, by the way. All right? If we imitate our Heavenly Father, we're going to be doing good. We're not going to be doing bad. We're not going to be doing wrong. We're going to be doing great things, marvelous things. But the world will not always look at it that way. That's the irony of peacemaking. I want you to notice something uh, about the Beatitudes here, he's going along, he's speaking of the, the humility and the, uh, the meekness and the mercy and the purity of heart and uh, the peacefulness or being peacemakers. Look at the next one. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Interesting that that follows peacemakers because the world doesn't look at us that way. Let's look first of all what it means to be a peacemaker. It means that we make peace as witnesses. In other words, we stand in a position as believers in Jesus Christ with knowledge of the living God 
that leads us to fear Him, to love Him, to imitate Him. And as uh, peacemakers, as those who have been uh, uh, redeemed by Him, who have come into relationship with Him, who have uh, ceased to be enemies and instead are uh, with God and He has made us His very own, uh, what we do is we make known that way of peace. We are witnesses. We make known the gospel of Christ. I believe this is first and foremost what Christ is speaking of, that we are peacemakers in that we have the message of the gospel to deliver to lost mankind. And we have a ministry, as Paul puts it, of reconciliation. That word reconciliation, what is it? It's, it's bringing two parties together in a peaceful resolution, in a peaceful way. Uh, all men are enemies of God, if you will. All men need peace with God. And we are the ones who uh, deliver that message. Let's look, if you will, at 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 5. Uh, Gordon read it just a moment ago, but I want us to look at it a little more deeply. Uh, there in chapter 5, uh, Paul is in one sense defending his ministry, uh, and in another sense uh, is uh, uh, making known his mission. And that's something we all need to understand, is that this being peacemakers uh, is a purpose in our lives. It is purposeful and it is a purpose for us to live out it is the good work that he planned beforehand that we would make known the gospel you know i've often said that god has a plan b to make known the uh, plan a to make known the gospel and doesn't have a plan b and the plan a is for his church to proclaim the glories of his excellencies uh, it's that his church is to make known the gospel. So one sense, Paul is defending his ministry. In another sense, he's making known his mission uh, as uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So let me pick up in verse 16. And it says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, he's making this known and uh, saying this, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. He's saying uh, we, we do that because Christ compels us or he controls us in verse 14. But... Uh, he goes on and he said, even though once we regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. What is he talking about? What he's saying here is he's making it uh, understood that, look, we don't look at people according to what we see in their flesh. We don't see race. Uh, we don't see nationality. We don't uh, see their social status. Uh, we don't see whether they're royalty or slaves. We're not looking at that. Instead, what we see is we see those who are in Christ as the old having passed away and the new having come. Man, that describes the Beatitudes. I mean, we were once this and now we are this. 
Okay, and so he is redeeming, if you will. And so he's he's saying uh, that we don't we don't view people in this way anymore. In verse 18, he says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled. There's that word bringing peace into the picture, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What is that? That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So what do I do as a result of that? Verse 20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become The righteousness of God. Did you hear that? He understands his role. He understands his purpose. He's an ambassador for Christ. All right. He sees that that is uh, uh, primary in his ministry and in the calling that God has placed on him. I am making known the gospel. You know, that is the responsibility of every believer. It's not merely the responsibility of the preacher who stands in the pulpit, no, the missionary who goes all the way across the world. It's the responsibility of every believer to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to share the gospel with people on a regular basis, to make known to them, you know what? Uh, the, the, the bent of your life is towards sin, and I want you to know something. That's going to lead to destruction. But there is a way. It is the way of the Lord. And it is through Jesus Christ that He will give you life. And that life abundant, that life full, not that everything goes right, but that everything in Him is found to be worthy of praise to Him. You know, something that we don't often think of is the struggles of life are something that God plans out for us. You know, as those who have been redeemed, and, and uh, Paul would probably give this same counsel, the struggle that we face, the struggles in this life. Often people think of, of the Christian life as, you know, I've become a Christian and everything gets good for me. Well, put that up to Paul and say, you know, how did everything go for you when you became Christian? Well, you know, as I would come into the city, you know, I'd always first go to the synagogue, but hopefully I'd be able to pass by the jail to see what the conditions were because I knew my next step was there. You know, it's a struggle. But the struggles of life, the struggles that we face as believers in Jesus Christ, God even takes that and uses it to cause us to endure. That's sweet. I mean, every struggle that we face, we can know this about Him. That when there's no peace in our life, God's even working through that. calls us to be peacemakers, to cause us to respond as children of God. Paul saying here, you know what, I've, I've got all this stuff, and I know you don't agree with everything that I say, but, but Paul is telling them, I want you to know, we have a ministry of reconciliation, and we're going to fulfill that ministry. And for every one of us, we have that ministry to fulfill. I want to give us a couple of thoughts about how we fulfill that. Um, 
And one of those ways is to, uh, you know, make sure that we have the gospel on our lips and in our heart always. One thing we need to do is make sure that we're preaching the gospel to ourselves, reminding ourselves how sinful we are, reminding ourselves of how, uh, how, how uh, bad we were before he changed us, reminding ourselves that we are in need of faith today, of repentance today, reminding ourselves that we are in need of his grace today. Man, that's, that's one of the things that we start with in terms of making known the gospel is making sure that we understand the gospel, that we are in desperate need of it every single day. Another thing I think I want to encourage you toward in terms of being a peacemaker and uh, living out the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, you know, so often, I tell you what, I grew up uh, in the ministry as a 25, 26, 27-year-old uh, punk, really. Um, and I, I grew up cutting my teeth on evangelism training called Continuing Witness Training. Man, we went out to people, and we, we shared the gospel with people. We had this little outline, and the, the, the aim of that course was that that outline would become your very own. It wouldn't be something that sounded like you were going rote every time that you shared the gospel. Uh, so, uh, but it taught doctrine. It taught the doctrine of salvation. It taught all these different things. And so I cut my teeth on that. And I, I got a picture very early in my ministry that evangelism was all about engaging people wherever you were, no matter what, you know, going up, cold calling on doors and things like that. Let me tell you something. I knocked on some doors, and there were some characters in that neighborhood that answered the door that would kind of strike some fear in your heart, you know. That's faithful to do that for years, just going throughout that neighborhood. Man, I'd be in a store or something, and I'd see somebody, and man, nobody was safe in my zone, you know. I had a radar that went out. You know how radar goes out, and it can pick up planes at a great distance? Man, nobody was safe. I don't care where you were, you know. Uh, man, uh, you know, you were in Walmart or something like that. You know, I'd get into a conversation with people. I, 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 I witnessed to one of my professors out at the community college one time and it offended her terribly, uh, you know, because I was telling her what she needed in her life, you know, and all these things. And so we think of evangelism as that. That at every opportunity, in every circumstance, we share the gospel with people. It's not just that. There's some people who are gifted in that. Some people who engage well. But not everybody is. As a matter of fact, for some of you, that's not even the first step of evangelism you should be taking. You definitely should know the gospel and know that you need it still. So there's a couple of things. First of all, if you're going to evangelize people, if you're going to introduce them to the one that they are an enemy of, the living God, can I encourage you to do something? Invite them to read the Bible with you. That's it. Just do that. Take them through the Gospel of Mark or the Gospel of John. Take them through the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. Or through 1 John. Sit down and read the Bible with them. That's evangelism. 
Man, that nothing, no one can make known the Word of God better than the Word of God. No one. (laughs) You're not that skilled. The Word of God can make the Word of God known better than anybody. So sit down and read the Bible with someone, with your neighbor, with your friend, with an associate at work. Sit down and read the Bible with them. That's evangelism. It's everyday evangelism. Secondly, I look out and I, you know, praise God for something. You know, I just do it all the time in my prayer for you and in my praise to God and in my thankfulness to God. We have so many young families with young children in this church. Man, I am just so always so encouraged by how I see you training your children and teaching them the Word of God. I am always so encouraged by how I see families together in our church. You're not, you're not all spread out somewhere else. I mean, some of our little babies are down here in the, the nursery. But for the most part, I'm looking out and I'm seeing kids' faces that are looking up at me sometimes, you know, when they're not drawing a picture of me, okay? Which is pretty easy, you know, just round eyes, nose. I mean, you, you don't have to work on the hair or anything. But I see these little children out there and I just, I praise God that you take seriously the role that you have in training up your children in the ways of the Lord. May I suggest to you that in doing that, you are doing the first and foremost evangelism that you are called to do. The first and foremost evangelism of a parent, of a grandparent, is that you teach and train your children in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That they hear it consistently in the living room of your home. That they hear the gospel more at the dining room table than they hear it in this building. That is evangelism. I hear people feel guilty all the time. Well, I'm not sharing the gospel with anybody. Let's see, you've got a three-year-old, a five-year-old, and a seven-year-old, right? Yeah. Are you reading the Bible to them? Are you teaching them the word of God? Are you teaching them the gospel? Yes. Then praise God you are evangelizing and sharing the gospel with people. Parents, grandparents, I want to let you know that God in his sovereign grace and mercy gave the likes of you and me humans to raise. All right? I was 18 when my first son was born. That helps you to understand how much grace and mercy God is able to work through families. I was a kid raising kids. I didn't know any better. But I want you to know that God has sovereignly given you those children. And let me tell you, the greatest peacemaker that you can be is the peacemaker who makes peace 
between your own child and the living God by making known the gospel of Christ. That's where I want to put you right now. That's where I want you to consider the vital importance of what it means to be a parent. You have been given a stewardship over a human person who has a soul that is eternal and will either spend eternity in hell or heaven. And God's given you all that you need for life and godliness and to train those children up. And I want you to know the best evangelism is the evangelism that takes place around the dining room table in the living room or at the side of a bed of a child who's praying and you're leading them and teaching them how to do so. That is evangelism. Don't let anyone ever guilt you into telling you that it's not. I've, there's a number of preachers that I respect that are very adamant on the point. If you're not evangelizing, and the picture is, if you're not out knocking on doors, if you're not invading everybody's space in the Walmart or at the gas station or something like that, you're not evangelizing. Don't everyone ever let anyone guilt you into thinking that you're not being faithful in evangelism by training and teaching your children the way of the Lord. Because you are. And we need more of you in this world. And your job's to make more of you out of your children. So I want us to think of making peace or being peacemakers, being those who... who uh, Seek to uh, reconcile. And that's our realization that there's lostness all around us and there's a need for reconciliation between man and God. And the only way for that reconciliation to happen is through faith in Jesus Christ. And the only way for them to believe is to hear the gospel. Make it known. Make it known. Secondly, I want us to look and I want us to see that as peacemakers, we are making peace as members of the body of Christ. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, uh, for they shall be called sons of God. You know, it's beautiful to be in the body of Christ. Don't you agree? It's beautiful to do, have a congregation of people who clearly and evidently love one another and care for one another. Uh, individuals, families who... Uh, relate to one another, not just as we gather together for Sunday school and for church and for discipleship classes, but in each other's homes. Uh, people are always inviting other people over, you know, to have dinner and to sit and to uh, grow in love with one another. And I love how the body of Christ here at Westwood is faithful in doing that. Um, could we be better at it? Of course, you know. But at the same time, I see a, a beautiful uh, peace among us a bond of peace, if you will. You know, we've been called to that as children of God. We have been called uh, to the peace of Christ. Look at, with me at Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. And Paul is encouraging the body of Christ at Colossae, the church, uh, to uh, live in a way that is holy. Uh, he has made uh, certain to point out the preeminence of Christ and he has made certain to uh, point out what true 
uh, Christianity is and what it is to live as a Christian. And he gets into a section where he's talking about putting off and putting on, putting off the old self, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then later on in verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Chapter 3, verse 13, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you. That's quite a standard. So you also must forgive. And above all these things, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. We'll stop right there for a moment. I want us to see that we have been called to the peace of Christ. There's no peace that's greater than that. When we talk about peace, sometimes what we talk about is the absence of conflict. Well, there's not always the absence of conflict, even if you're in Christ. But I want you to know, if you're in Christ, there's always the peace of Christ. And it outpaces the conflict that we find in this world. Uh, I want us to notice that the harmony of fellowship among believers is to have a priority in our lives. There's to be a priority of having peace among one another as the people of God. Uh, we are to uh, agree with one another and to help one another. And we don't always agree on everything, okay? There are some things that uh, even in terms of what Scripture reveals to us, that we will have a slightly different interpretation on some of the more uh, peripheral things uh, in interpretation. But uh, we don't come at each other with daggers, you know, as a result of that. Instead, uh, what we do is we embrace one another and say, I don't agree with you on that, but I love that you're my brother in Christ. And we recognize that there's not a massive difference between us. If we disagree on peripheral things, we always agree on this thing right here, that Jesus Christ, he is Lord. And there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved except for the name of Jesus. We can agree on that. We won't always agree on everything that there is to agree on, but I want you to know something that we are called to make fellowship among and harmony of fellowship among believers a priority. We're to strive for it, we're to seek it, we're to maintain it as believers in Jesus Christ. And I want you to know as a pastor of a church, that is not easy by a long shot. It ain't easy. It is not easy to maintain that. And I want you to know there's not one man alive that can maintain the peace, the harmony within the body of Christ. Not one man who can make that happen. It's all reliant upon the Spirit of God. It's all reliant upon the people of God letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. You see, this is accomplished by us not putting forward our own opinions on particular things. It's accomplished by putting forward the Word of God among us. It's making sure that our, uh, uh, everything that we do and how we live and how we uh, uh, respond to one another, how we function as the body of Christ, it's, it's dependent upon us uh, functioning as the body of Christ according to what the Word says. 
Not according to our whims and opinions. Not according to putting forward things that we want to see. But by putting forward the things that God wants to see among his people. We're to strive for peace and seek it. And it's not always easy. Some want their way. But this goes against the means of peace in the body of Christ. And that's the word of God. We are to, as the body of Christ, present mutual encouragement to one another, admonition, worship, prayer for one another. You say, well, where are you getting that? This is the stuff that maintains the peace and the harmony among a body, is that we're, we're, we're devoted to encouraging one another and praying for one another and loving one another. Rick, where's that coming from? Right there. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Singing psalms, in other words, so the word of God is, is uh, key to the peace and us being peacemakers among the body. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Do y'all hear that? Man, one of the things that we need to un- understand is that when we gather together, and even when we gather together in homes, you know, When you have another family over, one of the things that we ought to be doing is encouraging one another. And cautioning, that's an admonition, by the way. That's a word. Use admonition in a sentence sometime this week, you know, with somebody who's not a church member. All right? Uh, Use the word admonition. It means caution. Let me caution you. As believers, that's something that we do, right? Let me caution you. Let me help you to see something you might not be seeing. I don't mean it as an insult. I do it all the time, though. As a pastor, I listen to people and I hear what they're saying. And it just comes out of me sometimes. You know, this caution. But watch this. Be careful of this. Man, I hear the temptation could be there for this. Sometimes they're not asking for it. But I just have it in me to do it. And you do, too. We're to... Encourage and caution one another. And we're to worship and to pray for and with one another. Man, did you just love singing this morning? No, really, didn't you? I did. I love to sing. I'm not very good at it, but I love to sing. I get to sit up here. Nobody's in front of me. Okay. They don't, they don't have to hear me. See, all you back row people, that's the advantage you don't have. All right? Nobody hearing you sing. But as we sang, all praise to Him. Did you mean it? Man, that encourages my heart to sing those words, all praise to Him. And question myself as I'm singing it. Is that true? But also in this admonition is that we're singing to one another. You know? Hey, Josh, I'll praise to him. You know, it, it's, it, that's what it's for. You want to maintain peace and be a peacemaker? Worship intentionally. 
to the praise and glory of God and the encouragement of the fellowship of the body of Christ. And as a peacemaker, you think your role is to come and sit in a pew? Your role is to show up and be an encourager of the body of Christ. I know y'all don't know this, perhaps, but when I come on Sunday mornings and I see you, I can't help it if I don't see you if you're not here, but I see you, your presence encourages me. Are you ever encouraged just by seeing other members of the body? That's innate in a believer. That's something that's in us. We would know it more if there were fewer believers around us. Okay? If we were off in Bangladesh or something like that, or some place where there's a limited amount of believers, can you imagine what it's like for them? I mean, they're surrounded by people who don't believe what they believe, who actually practice things that are appalling to them, who possibly could even threaten their lives. Can you imagine what it's like for them to see somebody coming into the village where they live and they come to understand that person's a believer? Come to my house. Come on. And they go to that house and can you imagine that person's joy in having one believer come under their roof? See, we don't, we don't have that absence that causes us to long for fellowship with the body. But it, it should be there. Do y'all know how it's there? We're foreigners in this place. We are. We are foreigners in this place. And so there should be a there's this longing for us to have this unified body. Paul brings that out again in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Look with me there for a moment. Ephesians chapter 4. There in verse 1 he says this, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience. Here it is. Bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of of peace. Man, it has everything to do with our what? Our walk. The manner of our walk. That we walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then he gives these characteristics of that manner. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. And we maintain this bond of peace. What we take away from that is this. It says, uh, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How's that bond of peace 
come about the unity of the Spirit. Not the unity of ideas of men, but the unity of the Spirit of God. What this points to is our incapacity uh, to naturally bring about a bond of peace. We can't do it. It requires the Spirit of God at work in us as believers in Jesus Christ. So we make peace as witnesses and we make peace as members of the body of Christ. And lastly, we make peace as children of God. What I mean by that is that we make peace with those that are around us. In Romans chapter 12, I think that's right. Romans chapter 12. Look with me, if you will, at beginning in verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Hang on just a second. What? What, what do you mean, bless those who persecute you? Let me tell you what's going on here. There's something going on here. It's called reconciliation. Uh, it's called being a peacemaker. Uh, I mean, right off the bat in verse 14, we see that process taking place. We hear it more as we go along. Look with me, uh, if you will. Uh, bless those who persecute. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, you have both an intermingling of individuals here. Some are of the church, some are believers, and some are not those who persecute you. As much as it depends on you, it says, if possible. I like how Paul put that there. Isn't that good? You know, if possible. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Thanks for writing it that way. Thank you, Spirit of God, for making sure that he put the if possible. Verse 18. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Peace is not always possible. That's implied there and actually straightforward in verse 18. But for the, for the believer, peace is our pursuit. As opposed to seeking vengeance. It's not our place. Well, he's going to pay for that. For insulting me in that way or stealing from me in that way or something like that. You know the Lord's going to take care of all those things, right? Now, you all know me well enough to know that I have no implication, no hint of telling you that as a Christian you ought to be passive because you know that ain't what I'm saying. I despise passivity. 
in men and in believers. I want you to know as much as it depends on you, depends upon you holding to the truth. We don't give way to the truth for the sake of maintaining peace. You don't do that among unbelievers. You hold on to that truth. You cling to that truth. And you try to lead that person who doesn't believe your truth, the truth of the Word of God, to believe the truth of the Word of God. In the process, you may be persecuted because that's what we're going to talk about next week. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for the sake of doing what is right, for the sake of upholding peace, for the sake of holding forth the Word of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted. That's what it leads to. Man, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have such a responsibility. We're plan A for making sure that the gospel goes forward. And the first and foremost of our plan A is making sure that our children hear the word of God. That they don't just hear it once, but that they hear it day in, day out. And they see it lived out in the faithfulness of their parents, both in their failures and their, their repentance of their failures and their sin. And also with their ears as they hear the word of God read and taught and lived out before them. That's how we make peacemakers. That's how we are peacemakers. We make known that word. And we make known the hope that that is. We lead people to be part of the body of Christ. Where they can learn to live among a family of God. That is devoted to making him known. And making his word stand in our lives. Never turn away from these truths. Never turn away from your responsibility. Never turn away from your purpose of being a peacemaker. Both with those who believe and those who do not. Make known the word of life to them always. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you, Lord for the call that you've placed in our life. Lord, we want to thank you for giving us these words, for giving us these truths. And Father, what we ask for is we ask, Lord, for the boldness, the strength, Lord, the spiritual strength that comes from you to stand firm on your word and to not back down. Lord, to not step away from the truth, but to stand on the truth and do so with peaceful, loving, gentle, hum uh, humble hearts and minds and mouths. Father, help us, Lord, in every way and in every day to live as peacemakers, children of God, who are seeking to imitate their Father, who offers grace and mercy to all who come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.